0: chapter nineteen of the stolen singer by martha fletcher bellinger this librivox recording is in the public domain reading by matt Burrard. chapter nineteen mr chamberlain sleuth unbeknown to himself mr chamberlain possessed the soul of a conspirator leaving alec van camp at the crisp edge of the day he fell into deep thought as he walked toward the village as he reviewed the information he had received he came more and more to adopt Agatha's cause as his own and his spirit was fanned into the glow incident to the chase he walked briskly over the country road descended the steep hill turning over the facts as he knew them in his mind by the time he reached Charlesport he regarded his honor as a gentleman involved in the capture of the Frenchman his knowledge of the methods of legal prosecutions even in his own country was extremely hazy he had never been in a situation in his hitherto peaceful career in which it had been necessary to appeal to the law either on his own behalf or on that of his friends legal processes in america were even less known to him but he was not daunted on that account he remembered sherlock holmes and raffles he recalled bill sykes and devosk dodging the operations of justice and in that romantic chamber that lurks somewhere in every man's make-up he felt that classic tradition had armed him with all the preparation necessary for heroic achievement he chamberlain was unexpectedly called upon to act as an agent of justice against chicanery and violence and it was not in him to shirk the task his labours which bore the greater part of his life had been expended in tracing the evolution of blind fish in inland caves had not especially fitted him for dealing with the details of such a case as agatha's but they had left him eminently well equipped for discerning right principles and embracing them chamberlain's first move was to visit big simon who directed him to the house of the justice of the peace israel squire katy in his shirt-sleeves and wearing an old faded silk hat was in his side yard endeavoring to coax the fruit down gently from a flourishing pear tree you wait just a minute if you please until i get these two plump pears down and i'll be right there he called courteously without looking away from his long-handled wire scoop mr chamberlain strolled into the yard and after watching squire katy's exertions for a minute or two Offered to wield the pole himself, takes a pretty steady hand to get those big ones off without bruising them, cautioned the squire. But Chamberlain's hand was steadiness itself, and his eyesight much keener than the old man's. The result was highly satisfactory. No less than a dozen ripe right pears were twitched off just in the nick of time, so far as the eater was concerned. Well, thank you," said, "Thank you." said squire katy that just goes to show what the younger generation can do now then let's see got any pockets he picked out six of the best pairs and piled them in chamberlain's hands then took off his rusty old-fashioned hat and filled it with the rest of the fruit chamberlain carefully stowed his treasures into the wide pockets of his tweed suit now sir squire katy said heartily we'll go into my office and attend to business i'm not equal to cincinnatus whom they found plowing his field but i can take care of my garden come in sir come in chamberlain followed the tall spare old figure into the house the squire disappeared with his pairs leaving his visitor in the narrow hall but he returned in a moment and led the way into his office it was a large rag-carpeted room filled with all those worsted knick-knacks which women make and littered comfortably with books and papers squire katy put on a flowered dressing-gown drew a pair of spectacles out of a pocket a bandanna handkerchief from another and requested chamberlain to sit down and make himself at home the two men sat facing each other near a tall secretary whose pigeon-holes were stuffed with papers in all stages of the yellowing process squire katie's face was yellowing like his papers and it was wrinkled and careworn but his eyes were bright and humorous and his voice pleasant chamberlain thought he liked him come to get a marriage license the squire inquired chamberlain immediately decided that he didn't like him but he foolishly blushed no it's another sort of matter he said stiffly not a marriage license all right my boy agreed squire Katy. tisn't the fashion to marry young nowadays i know though twas the fashion in my day not a way. what then then chamberlain set to work to tell his story Placed as it were face to face with the law he realized that he was but poorly equipped for carrying on actual proceedings even though they might be against Belial himself but he made a good front and persuaded squire katie that there was something to be done The squire was visibly affected at the mention of the old red house, and fell into a reverie, looking off toward the fields and tapping his spectacles on the desk. Hercules there and I read Latin together when we were boys, he said, turning to Chamberlain with a reminiscent smile on his old face. And he licked me for liking Hannibal better than Scipio, he laughed heartily the faces of the old sometimes become like pictured parchments and seem to be lighted from within by a faint steady gleam almost more beautiful than the fire of youth as chamberlain looked he decided once more and finally that he liked squire Katie. but i got even with hercules on horace the squire went on chuckling at his memories however he sighed as he turned toward his desk again this isn't getting up at Warren for you we don't want any malefactors loose about charlesport but you'll have to be sure you know what you're doing do you know the man can you identify him i think i should know him but in any case miss redmond at the old red house can identify him we don't want to arrest anybody till we're sure we know what we're about that's poor law said squire katy in a pedagogical and squarish tone as if chamberlain were a mere boy but the englishman didn't mind that i think i can satisfy you that uh, we've got the right man he answered if i find him and bring him to the old red house this afternoon so that miss redmond can identify him will you have a sheriff ready to serve the warrant yes i can do that very well then and thank you sir said chamberlain moving toward the door and i'm keen on hearing how you got even with mr thayer on the horse the light behind the squire's parchment face gleamed a moment come back my boy when you've done your duty by the law every citizen should be a protector as well as a keeper of the law so come again the latch-string is always out it was mid-morning before the details connected with the sheriff were completed by this time chamberlain's heavy but sound temperament had lifted itself to its task gaining momentum as the hours went by his next step was to search out the frenchman the meagre information obtained the day before was to the effect that the marooned yacht owner had taken refuge in one of the shacks near the granite docks in the upper part of the village he had persuaded the caretaker of the sailors reading-room to lend him money with which to telegraph to new york as the telegraph operator had refused to trust him it was not difficult to get on his trade even though the village people were constitutionally reluctant to let any unnecessary information get away from them a mile or so farther up the shore beyond the road that ran like a star across the hill to the granite quarry chamberlain came upon a saloon masquerading as a grocery store a lodging-house a seaman's Bethel, and the reading-room were grouped near by the telegraph office too had been placed at this end of the town obviously for the convenience of the operators of the granite quarry the settlement had the appearance of easy-going and pleasant industry peculiar to places where handwork is still the rule chamberlain applied first at the grocery store without getting satisfaction the foreign-looking boy who was the only person visible could give him no information about anything but at the reading-room the erstwhile yacht owner was known borrowing money is a sure method of impressing one's personality the frenchman had been in the neighborhood two or three days latterly becoming very impatient for a reply to his new york telegram a good deal of money had been applied for was the opinion of the money-lender this person caretaker and librarian was a tall ineffective individual with eyes set wide apart his slow speech was a mixture of dr johnson and a judge in chancery it was grandiloquent and it often took long to reach the point he informed chamberlain with some circumlocution that the frenchman had been extremely anxious over the telegram i tried to persuade him that it was useless to be impatient over such things said he and i regret to say that the man allowed himself to become profane i dare say but it would appear that he has received his telegram by this time continued the youth for it is now but a short time since he was summoned to the station chamberlain thinking that the sooner he got to the telegraph station the better was about to depart when the placid tones of the librarian again casually broke the silence if i mistake not the gentleman in question is even now hastening toward the village he waved a vague hand toward the open door through which a little distance away a man's figure could be seen why don't you run after him and get your money asked chamberlain but he didn't know the youth what good would that do was the surprising question which chamberlain could not answer but the englishman acted on a different principle he thanked the judge in chancery and made after the frenchman who was casting a furtive eye in this and that direction as if in doubt which way he ought to go nevertheless he seemed bent on going and not too slowly either the englishman swung into the road but did not endeavour to overtake the other they were travelling toward the main village along a road that more or less hugged the shore sometimes it topped a cliff that dropped precipitately into the water and again it descended to a sandy level that was occasionally reached by the higher tides near the main village the road ascended a rather steep bluff and at the top made a sudden turn toward the town as chamberlain approached this point he yielded more and more to the beauty of the scene the bay of charlesport the rugged curving outline of the coast beyond the green islands the glistening sea the blue crystalline sky over all it was a sight to remember not far from the land at the near end of the harbor was the seagull pulling at her mooring a stone's throw beyond chamberlain's feet a small rocky tongue of land was prolonged by a stone breakwater which sheltered the curved beach of the village from the rougher waves close up under the bluff on which he was standing the waters of the bay churned and foamed against a steep rock wall that shot downward to unknown depths it was obviously a dangerous place though the road was unguarded by fence or railing only a delicate fringe of goldenrod and low juniper bushes veiled the treacherous cliff edge It was almost impossible for a traveller, unused to the region, to pass across the dizzy stretch of highway without a shuddering glance at the murderous waves below. On the crest of this cliff, each of the two men paused, one following the other at a little distance. The first man, however, paused merely for a few minutes' rest, after the steep climb. Chamberlain, hardened to physical exertions, took the hill easily, but stood for a moment lost in speculative wonder at the scene he kept a sharp eye on his leader however and presently the two men took up their indian file again toward the village some distance farther on the road forked: one spur leading up over the steep rugged hill another dropping abruptly to the main village street and the wharves a third branch ran low athwart the hill and led finally to the summer hotel where chamberlain and the rainiers had been staying at this division of the road chamberlain saw the other man ahead of him sitting on a stone he approached him leisurely and assumed an air of business sagacity good day sir said chamberlain planting himself solidly before the man on the stone he was rather large blond pale and unkempt in appearance but nevertheless he carried an air of insolent mockery it seemed to chamberlain he glanced disgustedly at the englishman but did not reply rather warm day remarked chamberlain pleasantly no answer the man sat with his head propped on his hands unmistakably in a bad temper want to buy some land inquired chamberlain i'm selling off lots on this hill for summer cottages waterfront Dock privileges and a guarantee that no one shall build where it will shut off your view tom's reasonable like to buy none snarled the other chamberlain paused in his imaginative flight and took two luscious yellow pears from his bulging pockets have a pair he pleasantly offered the man again looked up as if tempted but again ejaculated none chamberlain leisurely took a satisfying bite i get tired myself he went on tramping over these country and roads but it's the best way for me to do business you don't happen to want a good hotel do you course fare and the discomforts of beggars lodgings had told on the frenchman's temper as chamberlain had surmised he looked up with a show of human interest chamberlain went on there's a fine hotel the hillside over yonder over a mile or so away best place in all the region hereabouts tip-topping set there too count somebody or other from germany and no end of bigwigs so of course they have a good cook chamberlain paused and finished his second pair the man on the stone was furtive and uneasy but masked his disquiet with the insolent sneering manner that had often served him well chamberlain having once adopted the role of a garrulous travelling salesman followed it up with zest of course a man can get a good meal for that matter at the red house a little way up yonder over the hill but it wouldn't suit a man like you a slow poky place with no style the man on the stone slowly turned toward chamberlain and at last found voice for more than monosyllabic utterances i was looking for a hotel he said in correct english but with a foreign accent and i shall be glad to take your advice the hillside you say is in this direction and he pointed along the lower road yes heartily assented chamberlain about two miles through those woods and you won't make any mistake going there it's a very good place the man got up from the stone and the other inn you spoke of where is that the red house That's quite a long piece up over the hill. This way, straight road. House stands near a church. Kept by a countrywoman named Sally. But the hillside's a place for you. Good style, everything neat and handsome, and fine people. Very well, thanks. Cut in the other in his sharp rasping tones. I shall go to the hillside. He slid one hand into a pocket, as if to assure himself that he had not been robbed by sleight of hand during the interview, and then started on the road leading to the hillside. Chamberlain said, Good day, sir, without expecting or getting an answer, and turned down the hill toward the village. As soon as he had dropped from sight, however, he walked casually into the thick bushes that lined the road, and from this ambush he took a careful survey of the hill behind him then he slowly and cautiously made his way back through the underbrush until he was again in sight of the crossroads. here concealed behind a tree he waited patiently some five or ten minutes at the end of that time chamberlain's mild and kindly face lighted up with unholy joy he opened his mouth and emitted a soundless ha-ha for there was his recent companion also returning to the crossroads, taking a discreet look in the direction of the village As he came along seeing that the coast was clear he turned and went rapidly up the road that led over the hill to the old red house when chamberlain saw that the man was well on his way he stepped into the road and solemnly danced three steps of a hornpipe and the next instant started on a run toward the village he got little simon's horse and buggy drove into the upper street and picked up the sheriff and then trotted at a good rattling pace around by the long road toward Ilion end of Chapter nineteen.